0: So it's so good to be here today and um, you know I I didn't know if Pastor Dan gave me the first 12 chapters of Acts on purpose or not but um, I'm I was brought up <laughs> classical Pentecostal and so of course you get me into the second chapter of Acts and I'm <laughs> I feel like I'm at home. So praise the Lord. I'm not going to try to do the whole chap- 12 chapters I did last night. and I ran out of time. So thank you, Lord, for this time today. And, God, I ask you that you will give me the words that I am supposed to speak and that they will be life. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. So preaching classes here. Thank you, Lord. All right. So, Acts chapter one. Let's just jump right in and get started. And I wanted to make a what do you call it? A disclaimer. That Pastor Dan is the one that sets the doctrine for the church. So what I'm going to share today is experience. So if you disagree with me doctrinally, go to Pastor Dan. (laughs) Okay. So when Jesus was leaving to go back to the the glory realm and the Father, uh, he had some last words for the disciples. In Acts 1 and and verse 4, uh, being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. I just love that, the promise of the Father. Have you ever had your father promise you something? You know, there's always promise at Christmas. It's like, wait till you see what Santa got you. You know, and there's always this promise. And what is it that the Father wanted to send us? It says in another scripture that if we ask for bread, we, we won't get a stone. If we, you know, the, the Father wants to send us good things. And so wait for the promise of the Father, which I saith he, you have heard of me. saith he, you have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water. So that's one baptism. But you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. And to me, when Jesus is leaving and he knows these are the last words that they're going to hear, he's going to tell them something that's important. They need to be listening. You know, the last words that somebody speaks to you matter. And then down in verse Eight, He says, you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost, or we can say Holy Spirit, is come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and in Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Of course, they didn't know that being witnesses that way meant that they were going to be persecuted and scattered, which is what happened. But hasn't this message gone out into the entire world? It has. It has. So turn over to Acts chapter 2, starting with verse 1. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And I've always thought it was important that they were in one accord. I feel like as Christians, this is something that, God really desires for his people to be in one accord. And suddenly, now they had been waiting, but then God has his suddenlies. Sometimes we're waiting and we're waiting and we're waiting and we're waiting. And and then all of a sudden, God just does a suddenly. I love God's suddenlies. I've been in a few of God's suddenlies. I'll tell you about one suddenly. You've heard this story, but it it. It's worth rehearing. We were out in my dad's boat and we were in a storm and we didn't know that there were no other boats out in Nicaragua because, you know, it was hard getting information. But all the sea people knew you don't go out. And we were halfway from Pearl Lagoon to the islands. And I could see, I was 25. I was sick because I get seasick. My my baby sister was sick. I was holding her, you know, and I could hear the men talking. And my dad said, I don't know what to do. I don't know whether to try to keep going. We've lost one engine or whether we turn around. But if we turn around, I'm afraid of the waves. And Brother W.L., big, strong guy, was holding this, what do you call it on a boat, steering wheel. (laughs) I mean, he was a bricklayer. He was a big guy. And all of a sudden, I heard him shout. And I looked up, and I I saw the wheel spinning in his gripped hands I saw it spinning in his gripped hands and the boat turned around and the sea was just like somebody had poured oil all over it and we turned around and we went back to, to Bluefields. That was a suddenly, I saw it with my own eyes. I saw it with my own eyes. The Lord saved us because we were heading into bad, into bad weather. So the sudden lease of God, there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And last night I shared that my dad was went to Nicaragua and there were no full gospel charismatic Pentecostal churches on the entire east coast of Nicaragua. There was Moravian, but they had long quit praying the, those 24-7 prayers And uh, he went down there. And he was preaching on the Holy Spirit in the Brush Arbor. And when he first started, he had outdoor meetings. But now they had a little Brush Arbor. And he spoke about the importance of the Holy Spirit. And he called up anyone that wanted to be filled. And you have to understand, this was totally new to these people. Five people came up. I know that Sister Delfina and Brother Clarence, and I think Sister Delphina's sister, who both of them are still alive, and I don't know who the other two were. But Daddy turned around to pick up his accordion, and he heard a wind blow through. And when he turned back around, all five of them that had come up to be filled were all praying in tongues. Hallelujah. Whoa. It filled all the house where they were sitting. As I've been looking through Acts, I realize God is not worried about noise. You know, sometimes we're worried about noise, what it's going to sound like, what people think about it. But I find that God did a lot of things that caused noise. Just like today is Palm Sunday, they were all praising and waving. it He didn't care about the noise. The religious people cared. But God didn't care, and Jesus didn't care. So sometimes it's okay to make a little noise. And so God made a little noise, and then he added fire. There appeared to them cloven tongues like as a fire, so it wasn't real fire. It was spiritual fire, I'm assuming. It looked like fire, and it set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So this was a tremendous thing to happen. They didn't know what the promise of the Father was. They had no clue. How could they have any idea what the promise of the Father was going to look like? Hallelujah. And in another place, just farther down in Peter's sermon, he says, This promise is to you and to your children and to all that are afar off. Because there was this promise that was made to us from the Father. Okay, so I have a shoe sitting up here. I wore them last night, but they're not as comfortable as my. My boots. And uh, so I, I brought the shoe because I wanted to show you something. This shoe has a tongue. Now, when I bought the shoe, I didn't buy the tongue, I bought the shoe. But it came with a tongue. Now, this tongue causes comfort because when you do the laces, It keeps it from hurting your foot. You know, it helps you be able to get your shoe on and off. And it's really very handy, having a tongue in your shoe. But some people might not like it because it had a tongue, and so they might cut it out. But you know, for me, it's part of the shoe. That's kind of the way I am, you know, being classic Pentecostal. Oh, stay right here, I wonder. Okay, classic Pentecostal is the fact that when the, the the Lord filled me with the Holy Spirit, for me personally, it came with tongues. And I accepted them and I received them. And last night Mary Vaughn said, Tongues changed my life. And I wanna give a few examples. We're not going to make it very far into the 12 chapters of Acts, so go read it yourself. It's so full of, so it's so good. It has Stephen as the martyr. We might do some of that if I have time. It has Ananias and Sapphira. It has Simon the sorcerer. It's so good. Go read it if you haven't read it. So there were dwelling in Jerusalem all these devout men and it says when this was noised abroad right there there was noise again there was noise so the multitude came together because they heard what was going on and they were amazed and they said we hear these people praising God in our language in our language now, most of the people that I deal with in Nicaragua and Costa Rica speak English in our churches. And, well, they, it's, it's a patois. They call it Creole, and it's like a Jamaican English. But our pastor's wife was Spanish, and she did not speak any English. But when she was filled with the Spirit, she prayed out in beautiful American English she couldn't understand what she was saying but they could understand what she was saying because they were speaking out in a language they understood and back in the old days I have a little book about the assemblies of God they used to have this happen a lot and pastor Dan had an example that he shared last night there, it's the tongues of men and of angels. And so they heard them, and they were amazed. But there were some that were mocking. You know, there's always going to be some that mock. And they said, these men are full of new wine. And so Peter got up, and he said, these are not drunken as ye suppose. These people aren't drunk. So... When I was in Toronto, they called me the little drunk because I'd be going along and a wave of the anointing would hit, and I'd be like, whoa. (laughs) I couldn't stand up. They're pulling me off the floor. Ray dragged me out, you know. He got tired of picking me up and dragging me out of the meetings because when God shows up, sometimes it looks like a drunken party. I've been in them, they're fun. They're also chaotic and noisy. But oh, the anointing of God that comes. I was 10 years old and we were having youth revival. And a girl got up and testified Sunday morning what God had done and she began to cry. And my little 10 year old heart was pricked with desire for whatever it was this young teenager had. And that night in the service, they called all the young people up. I don't even remember how I got up there. I don't remember if anybody prayed for me. I was laying flat on the floor, and I came to myself with my hands shaking, and I was praying in tongues, and I was 10 years old. My husband, Ray, was eight. He always did things early. And he was at youth camp, and he was kneeling down with his hands in the air for 45 minutes. My children, Amy was five. We were in church getting ready to start. She came running in to the church, she says, mama, mama, my tummy is hurting. I don't know why I even thought this or said it. I said, baby, it's the Holy Ghost, start praying in tongues, and she did, five years old. My boys were 12, 10, and eight, and we were having a special meeting with a man from Mexico, and he prayed for him, and Géraldus was with us, our little neighbor boy, and they all went down on the floor, and I leaned over him, and I said, You can pray in tongues now, and all of them started praying in tongues. I've got so many stories, you know, they may have to drag me off the platform. (laughs) Oh, Jesus said in John, if any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. He that believes on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke of the spirit, which they had not yet received, which they should receive. But Jesus was not yet glorified. Now, when I'm teaching on this in Nicaragua, I, um, I teach that salvation is a well. It says so in Isaiah. Isaiah that there's a well of salvation. Out of the well of salvation, we draw water. Now, water is water. Water is water, even if it's ice, even if it's snow, it's still water. And a river is water. It's not something different. When we receive salvation, we receive the Spirit of the Lord. We receive the Spirit of the Lord as a well of water that we draw with joy out of that well. We're so happy that we're saved. Oh, I've been born again. Oh, I'm so excited with what God has done for me. But then... Whenever we are filled with the Holy Spirit, which is the promise of the Father, then we get this river that Jesus is talking about, and this river begins to bubble out of us. And this is what happened on the day of Pentecost. Peter got boldness. Remember what Jesus said? You're going to receive power. Power. And they received boldness, and Peter be turned into a different man. I know that whenever I was filled with the Spirit at age ten, I began to witness to my classmates. I got boldness in my spirit, and we find, we find that through the Scriptures, the next twelve chapters, that the next day James and John, uh, Peter and Peter and John went and raised the lame man. They were thrown into jail. They had boldness. They told the the rulers, they said, listen, who should we listen to, God or man? They got boldness that they didn't have before because they had received the Holy Spirit. They told the lame man, they said, look on us. Look on us. We would think that was arrogant, but why did they say it? Because they knew that they had gotten something from God and a boldness and a power and an anointing hallelujah praise God so I just wanted to tell you that through the years and I'm 71 61 years that I've been praying in tongues and it has changed my life I remember when Ray and I were in Costa Rica and we had been there already maybe 10 years 12 years and I got burned out we worked with very poor people And they were needy, and we didn't have a lot. We gave as much as we could, but, you know, it's like a big hole that can never be filled. And we were trying to bring them into the things of the Lord, and sometimes it wasn't easy, and I got burned out. I've always been able to feel the anointing of God, the presence of God. So let me see. We went down in 19... 83. So actually it was like 18 years later. And one night in desperation, I hadn't been able to really pray. I'd read my Bible. It seemed like dust. I told Ray I can't preach because I can't preach if I don't have that oomph inside of me. And um, I went into my bedroom and I began to pray in faith. Sometimes you pray in faith. Sometimes you just start out. And I tell you what, you feel like there's nothing happening. It's like trying to pour water into that old pump, you know, and you start pumping, and you're just not sure if anything's going to come out. And you pour a little more water in. And I began to pray in tongues. And I know it was God because I prayed in the Spirit four hours. And I said, God, I need something life-changing. And you know what happened after that? Renewal, Toronto. Oh, my goodness, did I get, re- did I get a life change in my life. And, I, and God sent someone to our aglow there that brought us into that. Many times in my life, I remember so many times I've shared a lot of these stories. So if you've heard me before, just listen again. Kimmy and I decided to pray at the church every night in December and the kids were off school down there that's their break so we'd be with the kids in the day and at night we'd go to the church we pray in tongues together I'd be in the front she'd be in the back we just start praying in tongues and then at the end I would just begin to pray out what I felt like we'd been praying about. And afterwards, Kimmy would come to me and say, oh, Marty, that was exactly what I felt like we were praying. Oh, you begin to pray for the youth. That was exactly what I was praying. And we did this night after night, night after night, night after night. And she'd call and say, can you go? I'd be like, yeah. And one of the nights, one of the nights, she called me. She said, Marty, I can't go. I have work. And I said, okay. So about 9 o'clock she called. She said, hey, I'm off work. You want to go? I said, yes. (laughs) Yes. And we went. And when I went in and I sat down and I began to pray, the Holy Spirit came to me. It felt like he picked me up like a father spins their kid around. And he said, where were you? I missed you. Where were you? I missed you. We need to know that God gave us this language for a reason. He wants his children to speak to him. This is the language of the heart. Whenever I help my Nicaraguans and Costa Ricans receive, then I bring them back to the basics and I tell them, listen, oh, my little Olivia's eight months, my daughter's Olivia." And she crawls around, and she'll come crawling up Grandma's leg. And and whenever Amy walks out of the room, then she goes, Mama, 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 Mama. And she chases after her. And I'm like, Amy, she's saying Mama. She's saying Mama. Well, we think she is, but she's only eight months. I don't know. But when they begin to say pa 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 dad da da, da 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 now this is just normal language behavior with small children they just begin to make sounds and when they accidentally say dad da 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 then the father says look they're saying daddy they're saying daddy before mama and then there's a whole fight in the house <laughs> but that's because dad 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 is easier than ma mama mama ma. And we're so thrilled, aren't we? And we're like, oh, look, they're talking. And we get so excited. Well, God's the one that created us. Don't you think that he is so excited whenever he says to us, here, I want to give you a language that you can speak to me. You know how I know that? First Corinthians. It says when we pray in tongues, we pray directly to the Father. We're praying directly to the Father. And so he gave us a love language of the heart. And so just like a small child, we may not have that river flow. It may just be a syllable or two, but you can get on your bed and you can say, okay, Father, I want to talk to you. And you can just begin to speak those words of love to the Father. David can edit this out. Oh you die, you you Why don't you just do it for a minute <laughs> Oh don't get me started I can go all day Oh, hallelujah. Well, Sister Marty, mine doesn't sound like yours. That's okay. I've been doing this for 61 years. Did you know that when we pray in tongues, it releases two endorphins, healing endorphins, into our body? Did you know that when we soak, our brain is active, and when we pray in tongues, our brain is quiet? God's got such a sense of humor. They've done tests, you know, to see what are the results, what are the purposes. Hallelujah. 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 I have some other little scribbles here that I'm going to see if I can find. All right. Why? What are the purposes? What is the reason? Why do we pray in tongues? Isaiah 28:11 says for all for stammering with lips for with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people. This is the rest. Wherewith you may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing. This is the refreshing. Do you need refreshing? Do you need the rest? Do you are, you know, this is something in this day and time. And Pastor Dan said he'd pray in his car. I pray in my car all the time. When I'm in Florida and I'm going places to preach and I have a couple of hours to go, I pray in tongues the whole way. Whenever I'm in Costa Rica or Nicaragua in the boat, I pray in tongues. I bury my head. Even in the ponga, I just bury my head, and I just pray in tongues because I don't have a lot of other times sometimes. And it's a rest, and it's a refreshing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I did want to tell you about Brown Bank, so I'll throw that in here. I was in Brown Bank. You have to understand that Brown Bank has had like three murders recently. Brutal. Brutal beat them to death murders because of sorcery that was going on in Brown Bank. The people were all afraid, frightened. This isn't a fairy tale. This is real. This is Brown Bank. Sister Flora was there and she saw it happen. Never seen her so shaken. And we went, we go into Brown Bank and we stay in these little round buildings and it's got room for one bed and one bed. That's it. There's no bathroom. You have to go down to the outhouse and whatever. So, we were in Brown Bank, rough. You know, there's no chairs to sit on, so I take my hammock, and somebody's always stealing it. You know, I don't mean taking it. I mean the other pastors, you know. I get out, they get in. (laughs) I'm like, it's my hammock. I brought you a hammock. Where's your hammock? And, uh, oh, Sister Marty, I forgot it. Yeah, well... And so one day I was reading this book by a guy named Robertson, and he was talking about why he prays in the spirit. And I got stirred up, you know, and so I began to pray. I'm sitting in my hammock and I started praying. And I prayed, I prayed, I prayed. Finally, I got up, went into the bedroom. Somebody else got my hammock. And uh, I just couldn't quit praying. Brown Bank, they needed a breakthrough. I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. I don't know why for me, it seems like all my life-changing things, I pray four hours in tongues. Now, I'll be honest. I have a confession. I do not pray in tongues as much as I used to. And that's one of the reasons why I like to go to Nicaragua and Florida because then when I'm doing constant ministry, I have to get prayed up again. So I have to start praying again in the car and in the house and whatever because it stirs me up. So we were in Brown Bank, and I'm praying for the service, and I'm like, what, what, Lord, what am I going to do tonight? We were holding an outside service in the concha, they say. And so we were out in the concha with our little speakers and Brother Darrington on the keyboard, and I felt like the Lord gave me an idea. And he said, get 100 Cordoba which sounds like a lot, but it's really only $3. So I took the 100 Cordoba when it was my turn to speak, and I got up and I said, here's a free 100 Cordoba. Who wants it? It's free. Who wants it? And Catalina, who's one of our leaders, she came running up, and she grabbed the 100 Cordobas, and I gave it to her. And I said, Catalina, God has given you a promise Of the Holy Spirit that's just as free as this hundred cordobas. Do you want it? And she said yes. And I laid hands on her and she began to speak in tongues right then and right there. And sometimes it's like pulling my teeth down there to get them filled. But the Holy Spirit had prepared, and now when we go to Brown Bank, there's this feeling of joy and of lightness and of excitement, and and the fear has gone out of that village. The enemy was trying to take it. The men were fighting because they were fighting who was the greatest sorcerer in the village. They were killing each other off because they had this book of magic and whatever. And God is the greatest one in that village. Hallelujah. 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 Okay, I've got four minutes. Likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities because we don't know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself prays for us with groanings, <laughs> which cannot be uttered except that we utter Out of our spirit and he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the spirit because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. When we pray in tongues, we pray according to the will of God. When we pray in the spirit, the Holy Spirit helps us sometimes just to groan. That's praying in tongues. Oh, you don't know how to pray. You just groan. I want to pray the will of God. Don't you want to pray the will of God? I want to pray the will of God. Hallelujah. And the scripture I mentioned, 1 Corinthians 14, 2, He that speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not unto men but unto God. We have a direct line with God. We have one of those red phones. We have a red phone. Pick it up, start talking to God. I don't know about you, but I kind of like that, that I don't have to go through somebody else. Whoo. Hallelujah. The Spirit helps us search the deep things, the deep things of God. In Acts, they were able to do the things that they did because they were filled with the Spirit. They were able to do what they did. I just, I got two minutes. Stephen says he was filled with power and wisdom, full of faith and power. He did wonders and miracles. He was able to be a martyr because he had something inside of him. Something that made his face shine with the glory. They thought he looked like an angel. He was full of the Holy Ghost. They picked him for that. You know what they picked him for? To wait tables. Sometimes we think our job's not important. They picked these seven men to wait on tables. But you know how they picked him? They said, get seven men full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. Do we want to do something for God? Then we need to be full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. And then, and then, God will use us. We'll have power. We'll have anointing. We'll be able to do the things that God speaks. We'll be able to prophesy. We'll be able to pray for the sick. We'll be able to do all of the things that the Lord has given unto us to do because we've allowed the Holy Spirit to fill us and to keep on filling us. So, Father, I thank you. I hope this encourages those that already pray. I hope it encourages those that haven't yet taken this step to move out into it and to understand the importance of why you've given us this promise in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.